This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by social selling guru, Jill Rowley. Now, Jill is somebody who was instrumental Originally as a rep for Salesforce, then her client Eloqua decided, well, they'd grab her and have her join the Eloqua team and went through the whole process of Eloqua eventually being acquired by Oracle. We're going to talk about the keys to social selling and what people should be doing and the biggest mistakes they make when they're misapplying social selling. We'll talk about marketing automation and the biggest mistakes and what you should be doing with that. And then finally, what do you do when you're new to this world of social selling, and what's the right way to use the tools to get the best results. You're going to learn a ton. She's full of energy. Here is my interview with Jill Rowley. Jill Rowley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ian. I am fired up to be here. You know what? I love that you're fired up to be here. So tell our audience something that they may not know about you. Whoa. Something surprising, shocking. Yeah. Well, I live my life out loud on the web, so I'm going to have to go back to pre-internet era. And I tell people I grew up more hick than hip. And I, my first vehicle was a truck and um, four, four wheel drive, and it had big tires and a roll bar. And, um, if, if you saw my prom video, from you know ninth grade, you would hear a very very thick hick country accent. How's oh, that for something? And we missed that. Listen, I think there's. I think I can hear. I can hear the sounds of keyboards typing, trying to find video from that right now. So and oh oh wait, that was me. I'm sorry. That was, that was me searching for that. So now now Joe, we're we're talking about this notion of social selling and. You've got a lot of expertise in this area. And just for our viewers, our listeners' benefit, I just want to cover that Jill and I met at Content Marketing World. World. We were at an event for the speakers. And, um, and, and as Jill and I were talking, I said to her, I said, you know, one of the things that drives me nuts about LinkedIn on my smartphone is that I can't send a personalized invitation. I, you know, it's, it's only this generic one. And Jill said, no, no, no. Let me show you how you can actually do that. And with two easy steps, I can now send a personalized invitation to somebody on LinkedIn from my smartphone. And it was as if the skies opened up and the angels were singing. It was like this magical moment. And I felt like I was going to go home right then. So I have to thank you for that, Jill. Oh, that was the skies opening exactly. up in the magic moment because I think we need sound effects, Ian. You know what? We, we absolutely do. And my guess is by now my engineer, Eric, has probably added them. So um, so, so the, 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 question, the question is this, is when we talk about this notion of social selling and modernizing sales and marketing, what do you mean? Yeah. So here's, here's the, the, the unfair advantage that I have. Um, I, I am a sales professional trapped in a marketer's body. I sold to marketing for over a decade of my career. So from 2002 to 2012, my buyer was marketing. And so I became a student of marketing 
and was driving modernization and transformation in marketing to be more data and automation and technology and personalization, um, multiple channels using video and social. Um, so I, I got to see how the buyer was actually changing sooner than most salespeople had that lens. And I had it through the lens of you know, my customer marketing. So um, what I see is we need to apply all of that, that digitization and, and modernization and transformation um, that I saw in marketing to sales. And so social, social selling is one component of digital transformation of the sales profession. And what it means is your buyers, they're digitally driven. They're socially connected and, and you need to know your buyer. You need to know your buyer. You need to be where your buyers are. You need to be visible and valuable to the, to your buyers. And, and they're, they're increasingly spending more time in digital and social. And so social selling is about building your personal digital presence so that when your buyers Google you, they don't find quota crusher, <laughs> expert negotiator, right? They find um, a presence of someone who has business acumen and has solved customer problems like the ones that they have. So first and foremost, you got to look as good online as you do offline. You really need to think about how you look to the buyer. Two, ABC always be connecting. Your network is your net worth. And if I can't see it, in LinkedIn, your network doesn't exist. Right now, it becomes your digital and your social network. So you need to be developing that network. Um, three, it's around how do you become visible and valuable? It isn't by call, email, call, email, call, email, call, email to the buyer who's going ignore, delete, ignore, delete, ignore, delete, ignore, delete. It's all around content. So content that is interesting to your customer, not all, you know, I always say nobody tweets your data sheet, Ian, <laughs> right? Exactly. Nobody tweets your data sheet. So content is how you become visible. And then the digital exhaust that your buyers are putting out there is massive. They are doing podcasts. They are producing YouTube videos, maybe not of their prom from ninth grade, but they are tweeting. They are, are, are sharing content on LinkedIn. They're out there in the digital social web. They're doing stuff and they're creating an exhaust that you need to learn how to pick up. So that's social listening for sales signals. So social selling, just to sum it all up, it's using social networks. I don't talk about social media when I talk to sales. Social media is marketing and it's for reach. Social networks are all about relationships. And so you use these networks to find your buyers, to listen to your buyers, to relate to your buyers, to connect with your buyers, to engage with them. So you use these networks for research on your buyers, to be relevant to your buyers, to build really meaningful, deep relationships with your buyers that ultimately drive revenue. Love it. Love it. So now, now when we get to this notion of social selling, what are the biggest mistakes and misconceptions that you see organizations have around this notion of social selling and about this idea of applying, in essence, the digital landscape to, sell, to sales and selling? 
Yeah, we don't have time to talk about the the the, the vast and complex mistakes that companies are are making. But but give us a few a, of them. <laughs> yep, I'll give you a few. So first and foremost, at an organizational level, they're not addressing it. Okay. Uh, second, if they are looking at it at an organizational level, they think that going out and purchasing licenses to LinkedIn Sales Navigator is social selling. Um, third, what they do is they say they, they have that volume. More is not more better. More, they think that more is more better. And I know that's not grammatically correct, but I'm doing that on purpose. So they, they're like, do more, send more generic hashtag social stupid hashtag just plain lazy hashtag you suck invitations to connect on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. So more, they're like, you know what, share content. And you know what they do? They, they buy these platforms that actually as a, as a salesperson, you authenticate your social, your logins and, and the company actually automatically shares content from your accounts. And what they're doing is they're, they're, let's say they have a hundred sales reps. They're, they're automatically sharing the same piece of content from 100 salespeople's networks at the same time. And that's, that's, that's marketing. That's not, that's not social selling. Yeah. So, I mean, I could go on and on. You want, you want more? No, you know what? I mean, you know what? I mean, I think this, this is a great start. So first they're either not addressing it or they think that somehow software is the answer or they have this notion that more is better. And one of the things that I often – that drives me nuts is when people don't understand that your network is not a list of people who are your potential customers. Your network, if you handle it properly, is a group of people who might be connected to your potential customers or partners. And, Bada boom. And so, Bada, so yep. what, what I always love is I get I get an invitation on LinkedIn and someone says, oh, hey, I saw you at such and such. And I, if I don't know who they are, I always reply and say, hey, what inspired the connection? And oftentimes someone will give a totally plausible answer like, oh, you know, I, I read your stuff on Inc. and Forbes and uh, just a fan. Great. I'll accept the connection. And within 24 hours, I get pitched something. Yep. And it's yep. like, are you are you flipping kidding me that I didn't know you 24 hours ago and now you're trying to sell me something? You're not adding any value. You're not providing anything of interest. You're not trying to help me. You're just trying to pitch something. Yeah, they there there's so there's they didn't they're they're leading with them, not to them, which means they're leading with what they want and what they need. They're not leading you to them by offering something of value. Well, and it's, it's the notion of trying to uncover what matters to your potential client or people in your network. Um, there's a um, good friend of mine, Derek Coburn, wrote a book called Networking is Not Working. Okay. And, and in Derek's book, he talks about this notion of, look – the first thing you do in a network is figure out where you can add value to the other people in the network. And if you do add value, then eventually people start saying, wow, you're adding all this value for me. How do we help you? And then for that person to be able to say, oh, you know what? Here's the type of stuff that I'm good at solving. If you know anybody is having one of these challenges, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to speak with them, is way more powerful than the binary notion of, Okay, so if your network has a thousand people in it, do not think of it as a thousand prospects. Think of it as each of those people is connected to hundreds, if not thousands, of other people who might have a genuine need for what you do. 
And if you can properly articulate it, they might actually help you connect the dots. Well, and, and the thing is, I don't see glass ceilings. I see networks, right? I don't, when you said your friend's name, you know yeah. what I immediately, it was go to LinkedIn, look up that person, try to put context to it. What, how do I, what, what are the dots, the multiple dots I can connect yep. that I have in common? Um, it, 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 it's, it's, I call it the sphere of influence. I say, use these networks to find your buyers, the buying committee and the smarty pants people that your buyers already trust, learn from, work with, collaborate with. So the, you know, when I think about, you know, my world going back to marketing automation, I would say, who are the experts in the industry? The serious decisions, the foresters, the, you know, the analysts. And then who are the, you know, who's writing about marketing automation that people are subscribing to? And I would say, I need to socially surround those entities and individuals because by being associated with the entities and individuals that your buyer trusts and knows and learns from, my influence increases because I'm associated to the people they already trust. Sure. Yes. I want to talk to you about this idea of marketing automation because um, – you put an instrumental role and you can give people your, your background on that. But many people have you to thank or blame for uh-huh. the, um, for, uh-huh. the for, for where we are in the world of marketing automation. So give us a little background and then kind of what the original intent was and where it's maybe gone awry. Sure. So um, the original intent was to be able to, convert an inquiry to a customer um, more efficiently and at a faster speed. And um, I, my first introduction to marketing automation was actually when I was a salesperson at Salesforce. So I, I was at Salesforce from 2000 to 2002. And, um, this was my first sales job. I was one of Salesforce's first 20 salespeople. And my territory was Canada. I had the whole freaking country. That was my territory, right? And so um, I was one of my customers who so I really So you even went to Winnipeg. Winnipeg. <laughs> Wh- like process, not process, process. Exactly. Pasta. Yeah. Um, so this little company called Eloqua that had under 10 employees was my customer. And I, you know, know thy customer. I was building a relationship with them and they were trying to build a relationship beyond using Salesforce as their Salesforce automation system. They wanted to hook into Salesforce. And so I was having the partner discussions with them and how it would hook in. And then they wanted Salesforce as a customer. And so, you know, I was trying to do right by my customer by making introductions to them for them to the people at, at Salesforce who would have the conversation. And in the interim of learning, I'm like, wait a second, I could use your product. 
and, and back then email wasn't, you know, everybody had, no one had anybody's email address. Um, no one, you know, had the ability to send just anybody, you know, shit tons of email. So email was, was a new channel. And so what I did is I went over to the wall where we had these article reprints and I, you know, physical article reprints that I used to like put into an envelope and address it and shove a hat in and mail it. So let me just, um, for, for our listeners' benefit, so yep. there's a thing called mail, and you mail. used to actually put paper into a thing called an envelope, seal it, and there was a thing called a stamp that sometimes you would put on it, and then another person known as a postal carrier would deliver it. So go ahead. I just want to make sure everyone yeah. was with us. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and in fact, I was actually, this is funny enough, I was at the postal office this morning because um, my training partner in social selling, Sales for Life, Sales FOR Life, the CEO of my, my training partner company wrote a book called Social Selling Mastery, and it's a fabulous book, and it's all it's a blueprint, basically, for how do you deploy social selling at an organizational um, mm. level. And so I, I put, you know, and I'm, silly me, and this is sidetracking, silly me, Ian, I'm sending a book to someone in Ireland, and I go there, and, and the, the mailing for the book to Ireland is 22 bucks. Yep. Yeah, well, no, I could have well. ordered it on Amazon. And had it like I could have done this a, a cheaper and faster path. Well, I didn't know that. So the, the the mail isn't dead. But I was like, oh my god, I could take these article reprints. I could put them in a really fancy email template. Again, before marketers and salespeople ruined email, and and then send emails to lots of people within the account and track whether they opened them or clicked on any of the links. So it was my secret weapon when I was a sales rep in 2000 to 2002. <laughs> yeah. And so the beginning of marketing automation held a lot of promise. It was like, don't rent an email list, build your own house list. So build your database and then be able to collect good, juicy um, points of data about your customers or your future customers. Um, so that you can then use that that data to segment and to personalize. And to, now then it was like buyer personas, buyer journey, align content to the stage in the buying process and automate that sequence and get sales in the room and mutually agree on a qualified lead. And if an inquiry comes in, score it. And if it scores the right score, send it over to sales. If it doesn't, keep it in marketing and nurture it along. So there was a lot of goodness around marketing automation. And so where has it gone awry? Oh my, it is like a spam cannon, right? <laughs> and and, and it's, it's just like, if you get someone's, okay, trade show, for example, you go to a trade show, all I want is the, um, the EOS, the chapstick. <laughs> like I just want the EOS because I wanna bring my daughters home something. Right. And they don't want a flyer or they want the EOS. So I go and I let them scan my badge for the EOS. And then I am just pounded. I am pounded with email after email after email after email. And, and then they're calling me. They're calling me. They're leaving voicemails. And all I wanted was the freaking EOS. Yeah. And I think that the, the problem that I see is it gets back to your original comment about more doesn't equal more better. And it's this notion of marketers and even salespeople who what they think is, 
I want more leads. I want more activity. And the reality is what you want is better qualified leads that the, and they don't quite get that. So what happens is our our sales organization if you will, our marketing departments have this notion that says, look, how do I get more and more and more names, email addresses so I can inundate them because if I hit enough people with these shots to the forehead, eventually going to catch catch someone's attention. Yeah. Well, and that mentality, I don't I don't even just blame the individual salesperson. I blame the 55-year-old white guy who's, you know, on his third marriage, who's leading a sales team in and he's running it like like the pre-digitally driven, socially connected, mobile empowered buyer world. Like he hasn't gotten the message, sorry, I know this is ageist and sexist. Um but, you know, with our current political climate, I thought I could just go there. Um, <laughs> um, you know, he, he, he hasn't had his wake-up call. And, and he hasn't figured it yeah. out. And so he's hired more salespeople to do more dumb stuff that is just more offensive to the buyer. The more that we need is more relevant, more, yep, that's a great, more that's a great relevant, point. more useful, more helpful, more prescriptive, more about me, the buyer, not about you, the seller. Yeah. In my prior business, when our team would go to a trade show, people would come up and say, well, do you want to scan my badge? And my team was taught to say, um, not yet. Let me learn a little bit more about your situation to know whether or not we provide anything of value to you. And people would be like, oh my, like, really? Like, that, and, and at that point it was like, well, no, can't you scan my badge? It's like, well, maybe, but we're not sure yet. We're not sure if we want you in our list to clutter up our system. And I know there's marketers cringing right now because like, yeah, but you could have captured their name and email address. Who cares right. if they're not someone you can help? I mean, thank you, Ian, for, you know, same-side selling, right? Literally, that's same-side selling. If I can't help you, there's no reason for me to take your information and send you stuff that isn't relevant to you, right? I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to do it to me, right? And I, so, Yeah, sorry. So, 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 let me, so let me ask you this. We've talked a lot, and we've, we've kind of beat up the people who are doing things the wrong yep. way. But – Let's give people kind of a quick roadmap of the two or three things they should be doing to properly embrace this digital age. I mean, one of the things I often talk about is this notion of, look, you got to think through what happens with your buyer. And when I ask sellers, what are the steps in the sales process? They give what their sales manager has given them. Well, first they're, first they're a suspect, then they're a prospect, and we qualify, and, we do, and they, they go through their own process. And I said, no, no, that's your process. What's the buyer going through? Right. It's journey mapping. It's customer journey mapping. And I was just with someone yesterday and she's, she's great. She's a, uh, she was at Salesforce early days around, you know, establishing their customer success department. And she's a, she's a real expert in customer success. But what she says is I can't even have the customer success discussion with the customer until I understand if they've done their customer journey mapping. Right. So if, if from the very beginning of time, who is our ideal customer profile, right? Who are the best fit companies 
that we can generate massive value for, that we can solve their problems and help them, you know, grow their revenue or reduce their cost or accelerate their whatever or decrease the manufacturing defects or whatever it is, right? So who are these companies that we can generate massive value for? Then within those companies, who are the individuals that we should be having the conversations with, right? So being very targeted about the people at the right level, right? If your if your product cost, you know, at $2,500, then you shouldn't be selling to the CFO of a Fortune 500 company. Be mindful of who the right people at the right level who make that decision, right? So, so there's this concept of, of journey mapping. And, and, and again, I, I'm lucky, right? I see it through the lens of having, having spent a decade with marketing who's done all of this, or if they haven't, then I'm sorry, but they should be, right? Where the marketing department says, what is that customer journey mapping? Who are um, uh, who are our buyers? What are their personas? What are their what are their pains? What are their needs? Um, what do they need at each stage to to get smarter and farther along? So the, the the thing that sales needs to do is they need to look at things through the eyes of the customer. They need to really understand thy customer's process. But again, sales leaders, you already said it. All they know is their sales process. And the, and the crazy thing is, is that they think the sales process is linear. Like, why yeah. haven't you moved them from stage, <laughs> you know, A to B, Johnny? Johnny, it's been sitting in stage A for 48 days. Johnny yeah, doesn't exactly. control and the customer. It, and there's no notion. It's, it's funny. What I, what I often say to people is, look, you have to understand what their issue is. You have to have a mutual understanding of how it impacts them by not solving it. And then how they're going to measure the results. And once you have all that information, if people believe that their issue has that sort of impact and they believe you can deliver those results, then they're ready to have a real conversation. But until then, it's a waste of time. And what I, what I always laugh at is the people who say, well, so, so how do I close this deal that's sitting out there? And it's like, look, think of it like you're a physician. If you're a physician and you go in and help diagnose a condition for a patient and you convince them that you have the best treatment for it, if you don't say anything, the patient says, so how do I start the treatment? Like the patient's going to close you if you've done a good that's job. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's the gap that people miss. So, so the steps that you're suggesting for people to jump into is, look, first figure out the best fit for the companies and situations out there. And then who within those organizations are the people who would be involved and care most about that? And then presumably now let's first start by listening to what those people are doing in their social media environments to see what might be relevant to them so we can find a common area to connect. Yeah, and, and sorry for using the wrong sports analogy with uh, earlier. I should have used hockey because I, I can see <laughs> that you're actually a hockey fan. And and I think it's actually <laughs> fabulous, Ian, that uh, the JW Marriott in ATX did the little heart on your bed. I mean, how cute, like the rose <laughs> petals. I mean, that's so freaking adorable. Right, and I think you have a copy of Same Side Selling on the on the bedside table. Do you, is, you got a copy? That's not the Bible. Is that Same Side Selling on the like? So yeah, right. So we go from the companies that are the best fit, the people within those companies, and then we go to insights. Right. Then we go to yeah. okay. What do I? I need to know. I need to know thy buyer at this many levels. Let me tell you this many levels. I need to know it at an Ian Altman level. What do you care about? What makes you tick? What makes you passionate? What do you need? 
Then I need to know it at the buying committee level because you ain't the only one who's going to make this purchase decision. So I need to know all of the different people in the buying committee, the stakeholders, and then collectively, right, as a, as a committee, I need to know the company. I need to know what's going on with that company. Are they going, like GE, we thought that they were an industrial company, that they, that they manufactured jet engines and wind turbines. Well, you know what? They're becoming a digital company. They're becoming a digital company where instead of just selling the jet engine, they're selling the ability to, 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 to monitor the data from that jet engine to be able to make that jet engine more efficient and have a longer life cycle. So, so I need to know that GE is going through this digital transformation, and then I need to know what's going on more broadly at an industrial manufacturing um, uh, 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 category, right? So who are the other vendors and the players in this space, and what are they doing to adjust to the new world of digital industrial? And is GE ahead or behind, Right? Are they blazing the trails? Or are they a laggard? So as a, yep, go ahead. And the, and the beauty, Jill, of when you do that is, you now become if you're if you're connecting with people at an individual level, and then understanding them at how they make their buying decision with their buying committee, and then at the company level, and then at the category level, you all of a sudden look more like somebody who is a industry expert to them, yes, than somebody who is trying to sell something. And let's face it. None of us wants to deal with the peddler. We want the person who can bring some value to the table and talk about the trends in the industry. Uh, you know, if I wasn't doing all of that and leveraging the social channels that my buyers were using, so so I'm I'm pretty darn proud of the fact that you know Beth Comstock, the vice chairwoman of GE, she's in charge of growth and innovation, right? So so I DM her on Twitter and she DMs me back. I have I have earned. By, by, by showing so much value and, and so much knowledge of, of them and of her personally, right? One day she tweeted, um, you know, trying to learn how to code. And so I went to, to Osmo. Um, it's a game to teach kids how to learn how to code. And for 75 bucks, I bought a copy of, you know, Osmo um, and, and had it shipped <laughs> to her Silicon Valley office, not her New York office. Cause I, you know, she's in Silicon Valley less frequently, but her getting a package in Silicon Valley that would stand out. So I mail it to her, right? I love this mail thing. It's coming like, yes, I'm social (laughs) selling, but the mail and the phone and email aren't dead. So, I I mean, Ian, your listeners are probably saying, God, this is a lot of work. Yeah, it is. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. No, you know what? It, It is all a lot of work, but here's the thing that people need to understand is, we have access to information and we have access to what motivates our customers like we've never had in the past, provided that we don't abuse it and it makes everything go sideways. Well, you know what? I think people have gotten a ton of information and I've been taking copious notes. When people are sitting there saying, man, how do we learn more from Jill? What's the best way for people to find you online? So, um, I, you know, again, I live my life out loud. Um, Twitter at Jill underscore Rowley. Um, so follow me on Twitter. On LinkedIn, um, I'm one of those special people that LinkedIn has identified as a, as a great um, source of content around sales and marketing. And so you can follow me on LinkedIn. I don't publish that often um, because I'm not the more is more better. I'm 
more quality is better. So you can follow me on LinkedIn. If for some reason, you know, it makes sense that we're connected, you can send me a personalized invite to connect on LinkedIn telling me why you want to connect. Um, th- those are probably the best ways. And then I will, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about the why and, and a lot of the what, but my partner, my training partner, Sales for Life, they, they blog daily. So, so they have a lot more content um, and the book Social Selling Mastery. So if you really want, you know, a lot of information, a lot of content, um, I would recommend subscribing to Sales for Life's blog. That's fantastic. Well, and we'll include all the stuff in the show notes. So, Jill, thanks so much for hanging out, sharing your wisdom. And um, I'm sure you'll be inundated with a whole bunch of spam requests on LinkedIn now because of Well, it. <laughs> hey, I'm glad um, that, that you had that moment with the personalized invite because I, I really think without that, I wouldn't have had the honor um, to be on your podcast. So I, I am grateful um, for oh. this. Awesome. Thanks for Thanks, hanging out. Ian. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key things I think you can apply from Joe right away. First, make sure that you've got an actual strategy and how you're going to use and embrace the various technologies that you have available. If you're not addressing social selling at all, recognize that software is not the answer. More, as Jill said, is not more better. We want to make sure from a marketing automation standpoint that we're not just using this as a mass marketing message to spam the heck out of people. Instead, you want to think about who is the best fit in terms of companies and situations and who are the individuals within that organization. So make sure you know your buyer at the individual level, at the buying committee level, the company level, and finally the category level for that business. And then you'll be seen as a trusted, valuable subject matter expert. Remember, this show gets direction from you, the listener. I want to thank those of you who take the time to subscribe and send me notes about different topics you'd like to have covered. It's really incredibly valuable. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer.